Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is uh, Kobe Kushner, who's the CEO at Libra Lithium Corp, uh, a newly privately held Canadian lithium explorer who are focused on advancing and developing a portfolio of grassroots lithium exploration projects in Ontario Thunder Bay region. Um, Kobe is a mining, has a mining engineering background, uh, working on various um, sites around Canada. Uh, before going into equity research with, with uh, Red Cloud Securities, uh, where he sort of specialised in lithium. Now the CEO of uh, Libra Lithium, um, he will, he's going to tell us a little bit more about the company, uh, a little bit about his journey, um, how they're going to develop their projects, um, and the current climate uh, in the lithium space, um, which has obviously had a not great year in 2023. So that's welcome, Kobe, to the podcast. How are you doing, Kobe? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Rob. No, I appreciate your time as well. So um, I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about your, your, about your background. As I mentioned, you're a, you're a mine engineer um, and then you worked in equity research. So just wonder if you can just expand on that so everyone knows a little bit about yourself. Sure, that's right, Rob. I'm a mining engineer by trade. I've spent the bulk of my career underground. I've had my share in open pits as well. Um, all in the Canadian Superior uh, Craton. So that's what extends from Quebec through Ontario and into Manitoba. That's where all my experience is in, in Canada. And um, I've, I've worked open pit underground. I've seen mines succeed. I've seen mines close down. I know what an economic deposit uh, looks like. Um, after a stint as a mining engineer, I went over to the dark side, that is Southside Equity Research at a mining only investment bank. Um, it was there that I wrote on several different commodities, um, but I, I really specialized in in lithium. Um, kind of just before the market was starting to get heated, I learned as much as I could about the lithium sector, uh, both from the resource standpoint as well as the overall macro outlook. And uh, and 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 in studying that, that's where I. I and my my team kind of recognized that there was an opportunity for grassroots lithium exploration um, in Canada. Uh, so we got involved in Libra after, uh, I, you know, at, at Red Cloud, we, let me take a step back. At Red Cloud, we look at opportunities that are maybe earlier stage than what other brokers might touch. So I saw what was getting funded. I saw who was promoting their different stories. And I'll say 90 90% plus of what I saw were typical promoters. So people that were in crypto before this and before that, they were in pot stocks. Um, they kind of got into whatever was hot and they optioned really expensive ground, um, usually based on closeology. So how close are you to the nearest lithium deposit with no attention to the local geology? Um, as I've learned, and I, I, I imagine you can understand this, Rob, is that closeology is probably the worst indicator of prospectivity. What matters first and foremost is the local geology of your actual project. So with that in mind, we, we decided 
I, I approached uh, a few people um, that might be interested in getting involved. So the first guy I approached was uh, someone I worked with back when I was a mining engineer. His name is Ben Kuzmik. He's now our VP exploration. And I simply asked him, Ben, um, look what's currently getting funded. I bet you you've stumbled upon more interesting looking rocks that are um, equally or more perspective than what these other companies are, are advancing. And he said, actually, I have. Uh, let me go out there this weekend. It's near my house in Thunder Bay, close by. Let me let me just uh, drive out there, step on this rock, confirm that it is indeed perspective, and we'll go from there. And he called me that night and he said, Kobe, we should stake this. There's an opportunity here. Um, neither of us were ready to leave our full-time jobs yet. So I approached uh, the Goodmans. So that's David Goodman and his, his brother, Mark Goodman. And of course, these are the sons of uh, famous Canadian mining legend, uh, Ned Goodman. And David loved this idea so much. He wanted to get involved um, and uh, he wanted to, to back us. And um, the rest is history. Eventually, Ben and myself, we threw in the towel and we, we quit our full-time jobs to, to do this um, full-time. We don't have our fingers in in any other deal. This is our this is our one thing, and um, we're we're doing it long term with a long term lens. We're not just chasing whatever's hot. Um, so we're we're well backed. Um, we're and we also have in house expertise with a, a team that actually knows lithium, both the resource side as well as the market, and that together I think will will help us position ourselves for the long term. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your team at the moment? Sure. So Ben is our VP Exploration. He has a Master's of Science degree in, in geology. Uh, he resides in Thunder Bay near our projects. We brought on Andrew Jediman as our Exploration Manager. Like Ben, also lives in Thunder Bay, also has a Master's in geology. Um, it's worth noting that Ben actually has modeled pegmatite resources before, uh, lithium resources before, which is honestly a rarity in in um in this market the uh, uh our board consists of david goodman david used to run dundee wealth and dynamic funds which was sold off to a major canadian bank um mark was also involved in the dundee group of companies and he had also started his own exploration companies over his career um we brought on a, a gentleman named christopher brown out of calgary um, he is a reservoir engineer by trade, and he's helping us navigate the brine space because we are looking into that as well. Um, we have Samir as our, our uh, CFO. He used to be, he used to run um, a research desk at a major uh, U.S. bank in New York City, um, covering the energy sector. Uh, we also have uh, Andrew Best as our Indigenous Relations Manager. Um, that was something that we wanted to prioritize early on, and we thought it was helpful to get someone that has been doing this their whole career. Um, obviously, you've been, uh, as you mentioned in the uh, introduction, you've been to, uh, you've been exposed to all kinds of, uh, obviously, metals um, across the periodic table. Um, why did you focus on lithium as being uh, sort of your specialization? Well, the, the short answer is. Really, that's where we see the opportunity. Um, you know, we have a market that's growing 20 to 30% a year on the back of a couple uh, global macro thematics uh, that are driving what is essentially a new industrial revolution. So that is the electrification of everything and the global push to decarbonize the planet. And of course, we need lithium ion batteries to store uh, this energy, whether 
you need to use that energy for uh, electric vehicles or whether or not you need to use that energy to store uh, renewable energy. Um, the longer answer is that, uh, you know, really requires us to go back in time uh, to what sparked the electrification of everything. So um, Sony, a company that you're probably familiar with, uh, they released the first commercial lithium ion battery back in 1991. And this was a brand new demand driver for what was traditionally an industrial metal. So that was primarily used in glass and ceramics and, and healthcare. And it was only in 2018 that uh, battery demand actually overtook traditional demand for lithium, um, with electric vehicles being the biggest contributor. So the lithium market, to, to put this into perspective, the lithium market is going to reach a million tons this year in demand. Um, and that's after almost 80 years it took to reach a million tons. So the next million tons is going to take only four years, four more years. Uh, the other thing about lithium and why we decided to focus on lithium in North America specifically is because both Canada and the US deem lithium to be a critical metal. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act um, was all about reducing reliance on China, which controls most of the battery supply chain. And with all these gigafactories coming up in the U.S. and lithium chemical facilities come on, coming online near our projects, uh, we wanted to help with diversifying our battery supply chain. And lastly, we recognize that the mining cycle is a long-term game, and we wanted to be exploring for something that's going to be in vogue for the long term. Uh, so what's great about lithium is that not only is the demand very real, but it's also unlikely to get phased out. So we mentioned other commodities. So Things like nickel and cobalt can substitute for one another, um, or they can get replaced completely by iron and phosphate batter in an, in an EV battery. Uh, lithium is the constant uh, across all dominant EV battery chemistries. And there's a very simple reason for that, and that's because it's the lightest metal on the periodic table. So there's a physical reason why this is. Um, anything that's required to move, whether that's your an EV or a cell phone, you need energy density. Uh, you need lithium-based batteries that can pack a lot of juice um, and are as light as possible. So even next-generation batteries or up-and-coming technologies like solid-state batteries, they still use lithium um, in metal form, but they still use it. Uh, so the demand is real, the scarcity of North American supply is real, and the substitution risk is very low. So we decided to focus on lithium. I understand. Um... And I suppose this is a little bit about education. Obviously, there's three different types of uh, lithium deposits uh, and projects, obviously, at various different stages of a development. Why is Libra focused on sort of hard rock? Um, and why do you prefer to do sort of uh, grassroots exploration um, as opposed to um, further stage exploration and maybe development? Sure. Good, good question. So... Uh, you mentioned that there's three sources of lithium, and I, I'm assuming you're talking about brines, you're uh, talking about hard rock, and you're talking about the clays or, or sedimentary yeah. projects. Um, right now, current lithium production either comes from uh, brines or hard rock sources. There's no uh, clay production, um, at least at scale yet. Um, brine just means salt water, so that's um, most, most lithium brine production comes from South America and Chile and Argentina. It involves drilling wells to pump up uh, this lithium enriched brine, and then you store it in these shallow ponds on surface. You let the sun do its work. You're in a desert environment, so you, the sun can really evaporate the water out, and you're left with 
uh, a lithium concentrate. Um, there's other ways to go about it without evaporation, such as uh, direct lithium extraction or DLE. And that might open the door to brines that are not necessarily amenable to evaporation. Uh, so projects that are not located in a desert environment. Um, hard rock lithium, it's mined through traditional mining methods, open pit or underground. And it comes from a type of rock called pegmatite. And the mineral that is within these pegmatites that we're mostly after is, is spodumene. So the spodumene accounts for most lithium raw material production, and it primarily comes from, uh, from Australia. Um, generally, the flow sheet is more straightforward at the production site. So you take one to call it one and a half percent lithium oxide rock. Uh, you concentrate it to roughly six percent lithium oxide, and you ship that concentrate off to uh, a chemical converter. In this day and age, most of that feed goes uh, directly to China. So I'll, I'll preface the rest of my answer by saying that we are also focused on brines. We are evaluating lithium brine opportunities across North America. Um, right now, our asset base is, is mostly hard rock. So there's a few reasons for that. So when we started off, um, you know, we're looking at how different resource companies trade, both on a PNAV basis and an, and an EV per resource metric. Um, so hard rock, we notice trades at a premium valuation. Uh, so we want to raise money more cap more efficiently. It makes sense to be focusing on things that'll give you a bigger, a better multiple. Um, so to give you more color on that, there's a metric that analysts use uh, called enterprise value uh, to resource ratio. Uh, in gold, you'd use EV per ounce. In lithium, you'd use EV per ton of lithium carbonate equivalent. Um, and when we started Libra Canadian Explorers, we're trading at a minimum 300 bucks a ton LCE. Uh, and then when you're looking at the Canadian brines out in Western Canada, the maximum traded at five bucks a ton. So big valuation gap there. So again, to raise capital more efficiently, we started off in hard rock. Um, also in a market where supply is super tight, majors will favor hard rock because it can come online much quicker. Um, Sigma Lithium is a hard rock producer in Brazil, came online in 2023. It took five years to go from maiden resource to production, just to put things in perspective. Lithium Argentina, located uh, um, over in Argentina, of course, um, formerly Lithium Americas, they took over a decade to go from maiden resource to initial production at their Cachari Oleros brine project. Um, so that puts things in perspective. You're talking double the amount of time. Um, the barriers to entry for hard rock were also lower for us as we were able to peg our own ground. We had expertise, we had targets in place, um, and we were able to build up a vast portfolio. We are now one of Canada's largest grassroots lithium explorers, and we were able to assemble this uh, vast land package for very, very cheap. Um, cheaper than most of our peers at uh, about seven bucks a hectare. And you asked why grassroots exploration specifically, and that's because we believe there's plenty of low-hanging fruit, as lithium exploration was basically non-existent before 2022. And we argue that exploration for lithium is, is actually still underfunded. So most pegmatites being drilled off today were found by accident, uh, usually while searching for something else. Patriot Battery Metals is a, is a company you might have heard of. Uh, they're a great example of this. So a company called Virginia Gold Mines held uh, what is now the Corvette project in the early 2000s. A geologist was having his lunch on, on the pegmatite, uh, noted some spodumene and moved on. And uh, so we thought, look, if, if all these things were found totally by accident, let's start exploring with purpose and take a more concerted approach to grassroots exploration. 
And that's exactly what we did. Uh, the first project we staked was also where we made our first spodumene discovery. And this project has never been explored before for any commodity. Uh, so essentially, we ignored closeology. We ignored neurology. Um, humanity has been exploring for gold, copper uh, for millennia. And the fact that we can still find high-grade lithium mineralization sticking out of the ground at surface speaks to lithium's exploration maturity or lack thereof. Um, obviously, you, as I mentioned in the introduction, again, you, you've been obviously in research um, and obviously you're in exp exploration at the moment. What does exploration success look like for you? So what makes a quality drill target for us? So the first thing we need to see um, is scale. We need large pegmatites in order to uh, delineate a large resource. Bigger resources, of course, have a, uh, have a greater chance of being put into production. Uh, there's no point in chasing pegmatites that are less than, say, 10 meters wide, because it's going to be very hard to build tonnage around that. At our Flanders project, we have pegmatites up to 200 meters wide. So that was a great starting point for us. Uh, the second thing is that we, we need to see spodumene. Spodumene can be tricky to find because most pegmatites are barren. So just because you have a pegmatite doesn't necessarily mean you have spodumene. Um, what makes it even more complicated is that spodumene doesn't always outcrop at surface. You might have a pegmatite that looks like it's barren and then there's might be hidden spodumene below. Um, for us, we wanted to see spodumene at surface uh, to know that the pegmatite's lithium bearing because uh, we do not have the risk appetite uh, to drill for buried spodumene. So our first spodumene discovery is in a 35 meter wide pegmatite that outcrops at surface. Uh, only one side of the contact has been traced, so it's potentially wider than this. Uh, the contact from the pegmatite to the host rock looks like it's vertically dipping, which suggests that what we're seeing at surface is actually uh, the true width. Um, so at 35 meters, we, we do have potential for significant scale here. Uh, lastly, we need infrastructure. Um, I think a lot of investors forget that lithium is a bulk product. As I said before, you're shipping a 6% lithium oxide concentrate. So it's not like you're producing Dore, you're shipping a lot more material here. So access to infrastructure is arguably a lot more important for a, a lithium mine than, say, a gold mine. So being near roads, being near rail, uh, being near a port facility, i.e. Thunder Bay, um, it's all going to factor greatly into your economics. And so we're pretty happy to uh, check all those boxes. Um, the company's obviously been around for, for around, around a year now. Um, just wanted to just tell us a little bit more about uh, the exploration that you have done and maybe any results that you've achieved. Sure. So that's right. The company has been around for about a year. Uh, we've raised $1.85 million Canadian into the company. Uh, with that, we built up a team. We generated what is now one of Canada's largest grassroots exploration companies. And um, we also kicked off exploration um, and that culminated in our first spodumene discovery at our Flanders South project. So we started off looking, we, we do different exploration um, tech processes depending on which project we're, we're looking at. So at Flanders, we saw a project that had pegmatites, but it was also very explorable. There's a network of logging roads throughout and the overburden is this thin. Most of Canada is covered by glacial till. Um, this area, you know, you have less than a foot of, of overburden. So pegmatites are very hard rock, which means over millions of years, they, they erode slower than the host rock around it. And in this area, they, they stick right out of the ground. 
you could see them from space. You could zoom in on, on Google Earth and you could see the, these white splotches. Um, so we didn't, we didn't feel the need that we needed to do, you know, more expensive um, geophysics or, or uh, property-wide geochemical survey. Instead, it was as simple as let's mark out where these pegmatites are. Um, let's then step on these pegmatites. Let's step on as many as we can. And that's what we did. Um, we did our traverses generally in a north-south direction, pretty wide traverses because it's a huge, huge property, um, about 200 meters wide um, between these north-south traverses. And uh, kind of near the end of the field season, uh, the crew was wrapping up. Um, field season in this area ends when the snow flies, so that's around Halloween time. Um, and it's it's approaching the end of their their contract and they're delivering some of the most encouraging preliminary results we had seen. So we we're hemming and hawing and we decided to extend them one more week because the snow wasn't yet stuck on the ground. And um, the day that they were supposed to demob was actually the day that they found spodumene. They found what we're calling the Homer pegmatite. Um, and it's again, it's a 35 meter wide pegmatite. So that to us is very, very exciting. And then there's a lot more exciting results that we've received from uh, the lab that we're waiting to put out. Um, obviously, the, the lithium price is uh, uh, what a lot of people are obviously talking about at the moment. Um, and it has taken, obviously, a big hit during 2023. Um, I just wonder what, what the reason is for uh, the sort of, I suppose, the big um, price crash in lithium and what would you say say the uh, outlook is for lithium um over the sort of coming years sure i think you know before i answer that question i think people need to understand that lithium is not yet a commodity it's it's very much a chemicals business um people are tracking prices mostly of lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide um so it's mostly a contract driven market the spot prices that everyone's tracking um, isn't actually representative of the global lithium price. Uh, you get different prices for lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide, um, as well as for intermediary products like spodumene concentrate or lithium chloride. Uh, you'll also get uh, different pricing depending on your impurity levels of your product. You'll get vastly different pricing depending on where your product is actually traded. Uh, so for example, in the Chinese spot market, prices rel fell roughly 80% over 2023. Keep in mind that was after jumping almost 300% in 2022. So prices are now at their 2021 levels. Um, meanwhile, uh, prices are still about 30% higher outside of China. So that being said, China is the most, I'll call it liquid of the spot markets. You can get more transparent pricing there. So there's a reason that investors seem to be paying more attention to the Chinese spot prices and sadly to their detriment. Um, so to go back to what happened in 2023, Chinese buyers went from their restocking cycle to their destocking cycle. They're now destocking their inventories. So there was much less uh, spot market uh, buying. Meanwhile, the market had entered into a small, small surplus. Um, so I have never been more bullish for lithium pricing personally. And there's a couple of reasons for this. The, the easy, the quick one would be that uh, the destocking de cycle is due to come to an end this year, and then we'll be back in restocking mode. Um, 
And then the other reason is that a lot of the supply that came online in 2023 sits at the very top of the cost curve. And if you were to look at uh, current spot pricing, how many of these projects, even, even some of the older projects that were already producing before, um, such as Pilgrim Gora, they're now sitting above current spot pricing. They, they, if you were to assume that they're selling for spot prices, then these mines wouldn't be profitable. Um, looking at the cost curve for just Australian production, keep in mind Australia is the, the majority of raw material production. Um, the, there's only three, approximately three mines that would be in the money, um, that would be making money. Pilgrim Gora, on an all-in sustaining cost basis, they would not be making money right now. That's the second biggest producer in Australia next to green bushes. So uh, we saw uh, Pilbara Minerals, the, the owner of, Pil of Pilgangora, uh, they recently renegotiated their offtake with uh, Chinese partner Gangfang Lithium. And it's still producing. If, if that contract price wasn't attractive, they would have stopped production, as simple as that. Um, the other thing is, Analysts, SC Insights, I believe, they were calling for a surplus um, of this at this year of 24,000 tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. That's roughly two mines coming offline and you're back in a deficit. That's how tight this market is. So we already saw Core Lithium uh, close down its finesse operation. Albemarle announced that they're going to be cutting, their announced cutbacks. I think uh, Chinese Lipidolite, which sits at the very top of the cost curve, so that's new supply that entered the market. None of that's profitable. Um, a lot of the direct shipping ore also sits higher at the cost curve. That's not going to be profitable. These mines are going to be coming offline and that's going to put the market back in a deficit. So we're in a very cyclical um, uh, market right now. So right now, pricing, in my view, uh, if they haven't reached bottom yet, they're certainly close to it. Um, obviously, thank you for giving us that overview. Um, how does... Uh, Libra sort of navigates through these lithium cycles? I'll say volatility is equal to opportunity, right? Um, so before I get to that, I think it does help that we are private right now. We don't have to pay attention to day-to-day -day fluctuations in our, in our share price. And it also helps to have a long-term outlook as well as investors who are aligned. Our investors are lithium bulls. No one's been begging me to, to take the company public yet. Uh, we're going to go public when it makes sense to go public. Um, having that long-term outlook does allow us to be opportunistic. Uh, we could acquire ground that we that is now essentially on a flash sale. There's projects that are now for sale that we wouldn't have considered before. But now because they're so cheap, now we're, we're reconsidering. Uh, we recently demonstrated this through the acquisition of the Docker project. Um, our most recent press release. Uh, so that one is is a project that we are excited about. We we're able to enter this area for a lot cheaper than what some of our neighbors paid um, when times were better for lithium pricing. Um, essentially, we're, we put most of our funds into the ground anyways, and we've done everything to date at a very low cost. Part of that is purposefully looking at projects that uh, are easy to explore. We, we have this term that we use explorability. And when we rank our projects, um, explorability factors into that. Um, just to put it, things into perspective, our, our spodumene discovery was one of the lowest cost spodumene discoveries out there, um, which is something we're proud of. We think we can keep the ball rolling into this year as well. 
Um, it also, in, in a market like this, it also makes sense to prioritize what's going to give you value. And it seems that companies that are putting out really good drill results aren't getting um, the re-rating that they were hoping for. Instead, um, they're getting a, a sell-off of their of their stock. So in our view, we think dollars for us would be better allocated to making low-cost spodumene discoveries, um, as well as acquiring projects that have high potential for low-cost spodumene discoveries. Um, when the markets turn, we hope to have several drill ready targets um, and that and we'll be best positioned for when the market turns around we'll drill our best target first and lastly um as an outlook and obviously concluding um what's the what's the outlook for Libra lithium uh, over the course of the next six to 12 months sure we want to aim to have as many spodumene discoveries as possible um for as low cost um, by the end of this field season. That's what we hope to do. That's where we think we'll get the best value for our buck. Kobe, really appreciate your time. Thank you for giving us an update on uh, Leaving Lithium and also educating our audience on the lithium market. There's a lot of things uh, you pinpointed and um, brought out um, so more people understand the lithium market. So I um, really appreciate, on that. appreciate you uh, providing that um, that uh, content. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, if they want to follow your story, how can they go about doing that? What sort of social media platform channels are you on? Sure, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter or now X. Um, we have a website, LibraLithium.com. You can reach out to info at LibraLithium.com. You can also reach out to me directly at kkushner. Uh, so that is K. K-U-S-H-N-E-R at LibraLithium.com. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, no worries. We'll include those in the show notes to come in this podcast anyway for, for easy access. So, uh, Kobe, really wish you well for 2024 um, and hopefully you get some uh, positive results um, and maybe come on the podcast later this year or next year to give us an update. Awesome. Look forward to it, Rob. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, a lot of detail around, obviously, the lithium market there um, and a little bit about what lithium is all about. So, um, as always, appreciate your continued support. Please share this episode far and wide. Again, share, share this with people within our industry, but also people outside of our industry as well. So, until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.